Hello, I'm Justin Bibby. I'm an Assistant Chief Constable at Staffordshire Police. Thanks for downloading this episode of The Beat podcast, a discussion focusing on police and crime prevention in Staffordshire. To learn more about the topics discussed in the podcast, please visit the Staffordshire Police website or get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Alternatively, you can contact us by email at thebeatpodcast at staffordshire.pnn.police.uk. There'll be opportunities for you to get involved and ask questions, but please remember that our inboxes are not constantly monitored and that the Beat podcast is not a suitable place to report information about crime or safety concerns. As always, you can do that by calling 999 or 101 or contacting us via our digital channels and social media. Hello, Staffordshire Police. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Beat Podcast by Staffordshire Police. I'm Tom Bushell and for today's episode we're focusing on the county's integrated offender management team and the work they do to help prevent and reduce re-offending. Today we're joined by a woman who has been helped by the agency. We've agreed not to use her real name so for the sake of this podcast she will be known as Natalie. We're also joined by probation officer Kerry Wright and IOM constable Leslie Webb. Thank you all for joining me. And firstly, to you, Leslie, can you just tell us a little bit about the work the Integrated Offender Management Team do, please? Hi, Tom. The Integrated Offender Management is a partnership agency that consists of police, probation and health services and other agencies in the community that help support people who need pathway support to prevent reoffending and to reduce offending in the community. So we we look at a targeted approach through pathways to assist and support individuals. um, And those pathways are such as accommodation, mental health, substance misuse, finance and debt, family relationships, education, training, employment. We try and address people's attitudes, thinking and behaviour and try and re-challenge those thoughts and, and help people on the right path. And all in this is offender management as people we work with are all people who are on license or community orders. And those that have been convicted of an offence at court and given an order to stay in the community. So part of this is about rehabilitation, but also about serving the sentence and addressing the crime that they've committed. Um, we, we monitor IOMs on a daily basis. It's built on a risk-based approach, which involves working in partnership and developing the pathways to break the cycle of reoffending. And the aim is obviously to rehabilitate, to prevent further offences and the return to prison. But we also want to reduce victims and protect the public. So we do this through understanding the harm and the risk that they present and look at the volume of offending and crime within Staffordshire. Brilliant. and. Kerry, obviously you work as a probation officer. Can you talk to me a little bit more specifically about the work the probation service does in all this and how you work with people like Leslie and Staffordshire Police as a whole? Yeah, so the probation service, we're responsible for managing the offender's order. So be them on licence or, as Leslie said, a community order. We are the Um, main agency, the lead agency, and making sure that that um, license or community order is effectively managed. 
So we'll formulate a stringent risk management plan, which takes into account the individual's needs, the individual's risks, where the support um, areas of concern are. And then we work with the police who do a lot of the monitoring, but they also come out and we take a collaborative approach in managing their supervision. Um, so that can involve going out on home visits. It can involve linking in with the drug services. It can involve, well, pre-COVID, linking them in with different community projects as well. Um, and also the beauty of working with the police and being part of this IOM project is if any intelligence comes in, that assists the probation service in managing the risk and ultimately determining whether they stay out in the community, whether we do an immediate recall and send them straight back to prison, whether we can look at alternatives and housing them in an approved premises, giving them curfews. And it's just a more collaborative way of making sure that the individual's needs are met and the management of their risk. And in my case, I work for the National Probation Service. They're all high-risk offenders. And it's just about making sure that that risk is managed effectively within a community-based setting. Brilliant stuff. And just a question to you, Natalie. Um, thanks very much for, for joining us. It's much appreciated. Can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to need um, the integrated offender management team and the service they provide? Well, obviously, I've been on. I was on drugs from the age of twelve, so. From taking drugs, uh, that's when I started to re start offending. So from the age of sixteen, I started going in. I was in and out of prison. Um, you know, I started there was a reason why I took drugs, and then I just carried on, and I didn't want to change. And when I tried to change, I tried to do it for other people. But like things are different now. I've got I've had the support from Kerry and Leslie, who have done a lot to bring me where I am now. And you know, I won't look back. You know, I've had, I have had a hard life in and out of jail, drugs, you know, reoffending, hurting people that don't deserve to be hurt. But it's about changing now and looking, looking to the future. And, you know, you can't change the past, but you can move forward to the future. And Natalie, how specifically have Kerry and Leslie helped you in obviously helping turn your life around and would you recommend the, the service to others and what would you say to others who are, might be in a similar position to yourself um, to say this is a really useful service for, for, for people like us? Do you know what, like, I've known Kerry a long time and with me, if you're honest, you'll get honesty back, you know, and I was struggling at first and I didn't tell him a lot of things, which is due to why I messed up last year, but where I am now is why they've where they've where they've helped me, and I do tell them if something's wrong or if I feel down, and then they're there to help me if I need that support. If you're not honest, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you tell them how you're feeling or you've done this or you've done that, then they can work around it and help you to move forward. Brilliant stuff. And Kerry, how closely? Did you work with Natalie in, in helping this turnaround? How important is it to, to develop a relationship with, with, these, with these offenders who, who are looking to, to turn their life around? Oh, it's integral. From my perspective, it's integral. You've got to have that professional working rapport. And being part of the IOM, what that allows is we can think outside the box and where we meet them, where we supervise them. Um, 
we prior to covid we would pick natalie up we'd go to a local community project we'd sit we'd have cheese on toast and it's like it's less informal um no informal yeah sorry it's less informal so what that means is they're more open with us they're more honest they feel far more relaxed and we're very open and honest natalie um was released at one point and everything started spiraling out of control and as she's mentioned it's the importance of being open and honest and myself and leslie we could see things were going wrong for and we could see that the risks are increasing just by her demeanor a presentation the things that she was saying so we noticed those risks and we would challenge those and she wasn't ready to be open and honest with it so ultimately it led to her recall she wasn't happy about that, Natalie wasn't at first, but then she's taken the time out. She's thought about the importance of being open and honest, what IOM support can offer it. And she's come out this time and she's been ready to change. So we've been there to offer a mental health support, just social needs support, drug support, support with the social services. And again, this relationship is based on being open and honest. And I think without the IOM, I don't think Natalie would have got as far as she has now. I mean, it's all down to Natalie. The progress that she's made is all down to Natalie. She's wanted to change this time and she has. But having the IOM around it, it's facilitated, more, um, I don't know, a more cohesive support structure around it. And just hats off to her. She's done absolutely amazing. Brilliant stuff. And Natalie, how grateful are you for for the work that Leslie and Kerry have have put in to to help you and obviously as, as Kerry said when you when you did drop back in it a, a little bit how grateful are you that they were there to help pick you back up again yeah I'm grateful because you know they didn't give up on me they believed in me and I think when you know that you've got somebody believing in you then that gives you the more faith more courage to move forward I think when you've got when you haven't got nobody that's got no like no faith in you. you you just don't want to you don't want to you don't you don't care you don't want to do nothing but when you're knowing that you think you know what they do care because some people think yeah they're just probation or i am the police are nothing but actually they're not they, they're there to help you you've got to see a bigger side of it and i am grateful and i think they know that we've got a good relationship mm. you know i've finished my license i've done it all but they're still there to support me if i need it and Leslie, what challenges come with that initial striking of a, of a relationship with with an offender? Obvi- obviously, as someone who works for the police force, I imagine occasionally you are met with some resistance initially. Yeah, there are resistance. I mean, Natalie didn't resist um, initially. She was happy to engage with IOM and accepted that she was on licence. Uh, and we were there to support her. But there are people in the community that that don't like the police and and see us as the enforcers and the, the people that arrest them and the people that put them before the court and and what results back in into prison and the criminal justice system. But you, you have to let your barrier down. You have to let your guard down, and you have to engage with people on a level that's comfortable with them. And empathy goes a long way. Showing some empathy, understanding of the circumstances, and and trying to help problem solve what is causing their life to be problematic. And Natalie, obviously you are, you have lived through this and you are out on the, out on the other side. What is the biggest benefit for you? Do, do you see as a result of, of the help you've received from this service? 
how has your life changed as, as a result? Because now I've got people have got trust in me. I've got my family back. You know, I had nothing. You know, nobody wanted to know because of the situation that I was in, which I could understand. But at that time, when you when you're on drugs or you're doing this, you don't, don't know why people are different towards you. But when you're cleaning that, you get a bigger picture. Of, well, yeah, I understand. And I've got I've got everything now that I've wanted. I'm moving forward with my life that I haven't done before. I've got people trusting me. You know, I've like I said, I finished my license. I've got my family around me, which have been so much a big support. You know, so it, it's, there's, there's a lot of benefits and ways that, that I've changed, and I'm happy about it. I feel good. You know, that I'm a different person. I'll ask the same question to both of you, but firstly to to you, Leslie. Natalie mentioned the word family a number of times in her answer just then. It's important to know the impact of these offences obviously aren't just on um, the individual in question, but also their, their wider families. How how do you in and the IOM team look to support the wider families as well? We're very much integrated into Natalie and her family. Um, I've met family members on numerous occasions on her initial release 12 months ago when she came out and she was first selected as an IOM, I went to her home address and met her mom and her daughter. Um, and we've since met her dad and other family members. And there has been support that's put in place for them during this journey as well, because they, they're going alongside this journey with Natalie and they want to be there, but they also need that support in place to to help her get through to where she wants to get to her own goal. And the same question to, to you, Kerry, how important is it that you guys work with the families and work with Natalie as integrally as you, as you do to, to ensure obviously the, the best for, for the individual? Yeah, like you said, it doesn't just affect Natalie, you know, it's the ripple effect, isn't it? You know, you throw the stone into a pond and then it ripples and it cascades out and it did have a significant impact on um, Natalie's family, especially her young daughter, you know, because her mum had been missing out of her life for a significant period of time. And her daughter's got Natalie back now and they're forming relationships. And like Leslie said, uh, when she was first released, we went to her mum's house, we met mum. And as time's gone on, we've met more family members. Um, she's currently living with her father, who is now really supportive, supportive of um, all um, Natalie's circumstances he's seeing a massive change in it and what's good for us as a service and being part of the integrated offender management the families then gain trust in you they will tell you if things are going well so if Natalie was to relapse they've got our works numbers they will call us and say right we need your help this is the situation we're worried so it's like having an extra pair of eyes um on Natalie for us because obviously we can't be with them 24-7 and it's it's so important that you take into consideration the family's needs we offer them advice we sign posts um, if need to to different support agencies for themselves but yeah again it that's another integral part of our role you know forming those relationships with family members too. And question to you Leslie you mentioned in your previous answer that Natalie was selected as, as an IOM how do you go about working out who would benefit the most from this sort of 
procedure. How, how do you go about selecting an IOM? It, we currently look at the volume of crime that takes place um, and what pathway support is needed. So if first you need to be um, you need to have a conviction or a community order or a license. So it's like a referral from a statutory agency or we can recognise if somebody is due to be sentenced from the, the crime or the impact that they've had on the community. And then we look at what pathway needs they have and how we can offer support to prevent further offences and further impact on the community. So it, there's a score matrix then based on those pathway needs and what previous convictions or convictions that the individual has had. And based upon all that information, it will, will decide whether we think that they would benefit from the IOM scheme or not. And then we take it from there. And just on that, is it possible for someone to almost self-refer themselves to you? People can and people do. Yeah, you can self-refer. The only point that we do have to consider is whether they are currently statutory or not. So if they they have to be on a probation order or license to become an IOM, we only work with people who are statutory offenders. Um, however, if somebody was to approach us with a need or in the need of support, we know lots of agencies where we can refer people on for other services. So we'd never turn somebody away if they came to IOM and asked for help. You know, sometimes people finish the IOM scheme and still come back and ask for help. You know, we're never going to not help people. We're always there. It's just about pointing them in the right direction of the support that can be used at that time and what how best to assist that individual's needs. Brilliant. And Kerry, just to you now, um, in regards to the last 10 months to a year, obviously the world has been a very different place. How have you managed to keep up the work that you guys do as IOMs, as an IOM team, in the midst of the pandemic and coronavirus? You know, I'm not going to lie. It has been challenging, really challenging. But I consider myself to be quite fortunate that I'm part of the IOM. Um, the police officers have had more scope to go out and visit um, my offenders for me. They provide me with daily intelligence updates on my guys, which is fantastic. Information which I wouldn't have got necessarily um, if I'd have not been part of the IOM. We've gone out, we've done joint doorstep visits, obviously adhering to the two metre distance rule. We've put a lot in place. We've tried to do video links. We've tried to have managed to get a lot of my offenders on WhatsApp now so we can do, keep in contact via WhatsApp, regular telephone appointments. We've, we try to be inventive within the restrictions of COVID. But so far, so good, you know, it, it's working okay. It's not the best, you know, because there's a lot of resources not available to us and there's a lot of support we would like to offer um, our offenders that COVID has put stop to. But it's working, it's working. And I couldn't do it without the support of IOM, if I'm being completely honest. It would have made my job a lot more difficult. Is there anything that you guys have, have done over this past 10, 12 months that you'll look to keep once we're all back to normal hopefully sooner rather than later but is there anything you've adapted over these past 10 12 months you would like to keep you know what i found quite useful and i'll be using it carrying forward is when we've got prison uh, people who have been recalled back to prison or people pre-release um prior to covid we would go and visit them in person and sometimes it's really difficult to book in 
to the prison due to the capacity of people who want to go um, and limited space that they have available on certain days. But what they have um, put in place now is Skype video conferences. So I think that's quite useful because it means now we can have more regular contact with people prior to coming out of custody. We haven't got to spend that time traveling to and from the prison establishment. So it just frees up our time to do more pre-release work or when people have been recalled, like when Natalie was recalled, we didn't have the facility to go in. Um, so what that means now, if you know whoever gets recalled next, what it means is we can set up video links now so we can have that face-to-face -face contact. We can iron out any of the concerns that they have about the recall, um, any concerns that they have um, prior to being released. And if we can establish that rapport with them prior to being released, both myself and the police, that can only be seen as a positive. Brilliant. And Leslie, the whole point of the integrated offender management team is to obviously help prevent and reduce reoffending. How important is that in, you know, not just for Staffordshire Police, um, but also the local community that we help those who have previously offended and to make sure they don't fall back into it? How important is that? It's huge. I mean, ultimately, we want to reduce victims. We want to prevent victims. We want Staffordshire to be a safe place for people to live in and for people to feel happy in their neighbourhood without concern. Uh, that has always got to be a primary primary concern and, and point that we need to consider. But once we start working with the offenders and we start to get to know them and we build a rapport, it's then, you know, it almost becomes a personal challenge to try and get them through this and to get them into recovery so we can improve their life. Because you once you get to know people, you realise that there's a bigger picture and there's a reason behind the offending. And there's people out there that need that support. So without the IOM and without police probation and health services pulling together, I can't see how we would effectively reduce and manage crime in any other way. Natalie, this is my final question to you. Um, what would you like to say to Leslie and Kerry? If you were to end this procedure now and they were and you were to go your separate ways, what would you want them to know about how much they've helped you? You know, you know, I'm grateful. I've told them, I think, when the last day of my license, I got upset, you know, because they have done a lot. You know, like I said, I have grown a good relationship with them. You know, Leslie, Kerry, other IOMs, and, you know, Leslie Kerry, like I said, when we used to go out and that. But, you know, you know how grateful I am and, you know, how thankful I am for where I am now. Because if I didn't get recalled, I don't know if I'd be here today. And say you're, you're sat across the table from Natalie from one year, two years ago, when you were, you know, in, 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 a, in a bad place. What advice would you give to that person, knowing what you know now in terms of taking up the opportunities that this process gives you? Do you know what? It's just like, obviously, whereas before, I wasn't always honest about the situations that I was in or, you know, I'd say, be honest if you need that help. You know, because like Leslie said, it's not, sometimes it's a bigger picture of why mm -hmm. the person first started using, you know. So if, you, if you're in that situation, speak to somebody so you can get that support and the help that you need before it spirals out of control, before you go back to the way and that. And if I say to Natalie in two years, you know, talk to somebody if you need that help and support. Brilliant. And I'm going to ask the final question to both you and Les. 
um, Leslie, Kerry. Um, firstly to you, Kerry, what would you want any new offenders, those who have committed a crime but want to turn their life around, what would you want them to know when it comes to the IOM service? Like I say to all my offenders, to be honest, is, you know, you've got this, this is your opportunity now, grab it with both hands, take it. You're not going to be in an opportunity again where you've got the police support, probation support or healthcare professional support. They get given an opportunity. If they don't take that, we can look at deselecting them. So it's about taking the opportunity, grabbing it with both hands, being completely open, honest and transparent with them. And that actually, whilst we are here to enforce the licence and make sure they don't commit any crime, we're also here as a support network for them. And the same question to you, Leslie? Yeah, the same really. Ultimately, this is... It's quite in some ways it can be seen as a privilege and some people feel quite the opposite when they realise that they're being managed under IOM. But once you know they, they realise and they're given that opportunity with the extra support, they just need to to accept that and take that forward and, and get the most out of it that they can to to change. But people have got to be ready to change and we are there to support regardless and give them all the opportunities that that we can. Brilliant. That's all we have time for today. So thank you to Natalie, Kerry and Leslie for joining me virtually and to you guys at home for listening. If you have any questions about the issues we've discussed in today's podcast, then please feel free to contact us at the Beat Podcast at staffordshire.pnn.police.uk or visit the Staffordshire Police website for more info. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beat Podcast produced by Staffordshire Police. To learn more about the topics discussed in the podcast, including sources of help and support, please visit the Staffordshire Police website.